0: Hey everyone, KJ the Comic Guy here, and I want to talk to you about our sponsor, that's dmdave.com and Broadsword Magazine. Are you looking for new ideas and adventures for your RPG group? How about a monthly magazine filled with plot twists, one-shots, and side quests? Look no further. DM Dave brings you the Broadsword Magazine. Broadsword is a monthly digital and printed magazine that provides dungeon masters with ideas, tidbits, and even complete side quests that can be fit into almost any campaign. Check out Broadsword's magazine at dmdave.com forward slash Broadsword hyphen magazine hyphen pre-order hyphen one. A Geek Culture Cast Network Production. Funny. She doesn't look drewish. Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking knife-herder! Warp My Tardis Podcast. Who's scruffy-looking? Stupid
1: out! You could have killed me! Dobby's never meant to kill. Dobby only meant to maim
0: or seriously injure. What's basically temporal hyperlink? What's that?
1: No idea. Just made it up. Do you want to say magic door?
0: And welcome once again, folks, to Warp My Tardis podcast here on the Geek Culture Cast Network. It's only been so many weeks since we last met. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway... Uh, actually, I was. But this
1: is going to be a good one.
0: I listened to our last episode. Our last episode aired on September the twelfth.
1: Okay, so we're we're not a full two months behind, but we're close.
0: We're we're six weeks. <laughs> we're three episodes off. Anyway, yeah. uh, so uh, I'm KJ, the comic guy, uh, here in the Toronto studios, where it's wet, but it's not windy. And I'm joined by uh, Mr. Chulock in the Charlotte studios where you're under a tornado watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, we are recording this on Halloween. We've we've both been getting our trick-or-treaters. And, um, yeah, we were all really worried in Charlotte that uh, Halloween was essentially going to be canceled because we have this really, really bad long band, really long narrow that just keeps – like coming like the way that weather comes up the east coast of the United States, it's like this band is literally straddling Charlotte for the next I think nine hours. And I mean, we've got like 35, 40 mile an hour gusts right now. We are under a tornado watch. And um, yeah, I mean, there there were some parents out there that were like, Nope, go get candy, because I need my mom and dad tax of candy, you know. They were like, No, go get candy. But um, <laughs> because you know every, you know every mom and dad's got to do a mom and dad tax when it comes to that but but other than that yeah um we're here thankfully we have not lost power which I'm really surprised because we've just had moderate weather in the past and we've lost power and this one I was like we're definitely going to lose power nope we're good everything's everything's kosher so but yeah uh that's, you know you're that's awesome wet. that's awesome I'm possible. just windy <laughs>
0: Well, and yeah. it, it actually, I will say this. The rain stopped around 6.15. The kids started mm-hmm. out around 6.30. And it's now been about 15 minutes since the last ones came to the door. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, to, to protect Puppers from, you know, all the things stupid. Puppers, where are you, Scarlet? <laughs> Scarlet, come see me. She's here in the room with me because I locked her in. Come here. Come here, birthday girl. Come here, birthday girl.
1: This is her birthday?
0: It's Halloween. She is three today.
1: What? Yes. Puppers is three. Oh, my gosh.
0: Here you are, baby. Yes. You you were stuck here in the bedroom with me. You were over at the door leaning against the baby gate because, of course, you know, that's the only way to keep a 60-pound dog in. (laughs) Weren't you? No one come to the door now. They're all done, I think. I can let you out in a bit. Okay. You can go down now. Yes. Sir. <laughs> oh, no. Now you want pets because, you know, daddy's loving me. Anyway. Um, so tonight on Warp My Tardis podcast, which, you know, I didn't say Legends of the Panel at least.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you almost did. There was that pause. I, I could tell. I about
0: it. Um, Tonight, because it's Halloween and in honor of Halloween, on Halloween night, we are going to talk about some of the greatest Halloween movies ever created. And that would be the Universal Monsters.
1: Yes, in the the franchise. Honestly, when I started thinking about it, this was really the first true movie cinematic universe. Yeah, that's right, Marvel. You got nothing on Universal. They pumped out eight or uh, they pumped out seven movies, unique movies that then also had sequels to them. So, yeah, Universal, the OG, the original. Absolutely.
0: Yes. So uh, we're going to actually I think what we should do is we should start off with our top, you know, ranked in the top eight. Now, uh, we are going to qualify this beforehand. So we are talking about the universal original monster movies from the, you know, basically the 20s, 30s into the 40s. So we are talking about Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Phantom of the Opera, you know, The Mummy. I say Wolfman? Yes, I said Wolfman. Um, Frankenstein. Frankenstein and Creature from, the Black, from the Black Lagoon. Black Lagoon. Right. And and we also yep. will, will include in here things like The Bride of Frankenstein, but we're not including – there is no inclusion of Abbott and Costello meat because that's just wrong.
1: Yes, totally so are, wrong. So we
0: are completely excluding Abbott and Costello meat movies, and we're also excluding the crossovers where it's like, you know, it's like Frankenstein versus Dracula or stuff like that.
1: Right, right,
0: right. So um, let's start off with our lowest ranking. What is our number eight? Where are you at, sir? What is your the bottom of the pit movie?
1: So uh, from what I am gathering, you're saying a movie that's not on my list at all. And I'm about to say a movie that hasn't been mentioned by you at all. So again, you know, we're going with the original appearances of these monsters from Universal. And actually, my number eight for many reasons. It was actually it's a little bit later. It was actually the only universal official monster movie to actually get color. This was the only movie in Technicolor, and that's actually Phantom of the Opera. Um, I I just was not a fan of it because of the way that they. I mean, Technicolor was very new at the time, um, and the act the actor. Was phenomenal who played uh, you know the phantom but just the the musical score and some of the prosthetics that were done they just weren't done well and obviously you know we're looking at a different time frame when prosthetics and stuff like that you know trying to compare stuff to today from from yesteryear it's really hard to do you know we always talk about how does it hold up to today but in this movie there are times when you can clearly tell that the director Excuse me, the director and actor and writer were trying for a certain response. And clearly when you watch it, the response may actually be a laugh. And it was supposed to be a serious or scary moment and you laugh. And that's why this is at the bottom of the, the, the list for me is because they didn't intend some things and the, uh, the reaction from the, the crowd or the fans. And it, it's just kind of one of those movies where it's like you don't know if it's supposed to be scary or if it's okay to laugh. And if a movie is like that, then in my book, it wasn't done well in some, in some way, shape or form. So number eight for me is Phantom of the Opera.
0: I would tend to agree. It's not, you know, Phantom of the Opera was 1943. It is Lon Chaney, um, the man of a thousand faces, phenomenal actor, phenomenal ability to change his appearance. But this movie just ends up falling short. Um, and he's a great
1: actor. That's not not in question. It's just how it was portrayed in my eyes at certain points, where it's like, whoa, what what happened here? Something didn't something didn't
0: work, right? But I mean, I think the problem we end up with this one is it actually comes down to, I mean, Claude Rains, another fantastic actor. Um, you know, Lon Chaney, fantastic actor. I think what we really run into. Um, hang on oh no 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 1943 is is was the um, yeah that's the okay that's the Quad rains Phantom of the Opera I was thinking the Lon Chaney Phantom of the Opera but that's the 1925 film so that's the original Lon Chaney was in the 1925 film that's the one that everyone knows the the 1943 is the is the Quad Reigns film which is far far bad worse yeah so yeah, I, so yeah. I think that's where we get thrown off because um, the Lon Chaney one was actually not Universal Pictures. The 1943 correct. one is Universal Pictures. So that's that's correct. Okay, I got thrown off for a second there, and I apologize, everyone. So I'm actually verifying everything as we go here because you know, you know that's what the internet. There's a lot of movies. That's what the interwebs is there's for. A lot of movies. Yeah. So uh, Nelson Eddy I, and Quad Reigns. We have
1: four pages of notes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Claude Rains and Nelson Eddy were in this 1943 film, which was produced by Universal Pictures. I think the problem here is really George Wagner was the uh, was the producer. Arthur Lubin Mm -hmm. was the director. And I think when we look at Arthur Lubin, we're going to find that um, if I remember correctly. Oh, look, Abbott and Costello. Yeah. Does that explain anything to you?
1: It, it does. So now who, who is your number eight? Who's on the bottom of your, your totem pole here?
0: Unfortunately, I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm actually going. So my launch, the launch 1925 is my Phantom of the Opera, but, um, which is much higher up. What I actually think is the worst movie out of the bunch is Hunchback.
1: Okay. It, it didn't even make my eight.
0: <laughs> yeah, see, so, yeah, I go with the Lon Chaney, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and that just it didn't work for me. Gotcha. And, so, and I don't um, think it's, I think it's just, it was, the prosthetics were not as good as they could have been. It wasn't as clean as it could have been. The story is still Esmeralda right. and the characters that we know, but it just, it wasn't there.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean that that is actually the only movie I think I have never seen from beginning to end. I know I have seen bits and parts of it, but to my recollection I don't think I've seen the whole thing. Um just because I never could get into it, be, be, I couldn't get gripped and pulled into it to be able to watch it all and that's when I can't do that, then you know you're you're not going to make a list. Yeah. Um so moving on to number 7.
0: So that I just let's just come back and qualify that. Hunchback of Notre Dame was 1923 with Lon Chaney. Okay. Uh, And that one was, uh, where is it here? It was produced under, it was universal pictures. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Distributed by universal pictures was not produced under universal pictures. Okay. Anyway.
1: So some, so some of these movies that we're kind of calling out, I, 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 the, when I went through my my eight, it was it was produced and distributed like everything, all under one house, Universal. Like they owned yeah. it, they 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 dished it out. So in some cases, they some of these movies, they there's duplicates, and Universal kind of did everything themselves and redid it. So that's why we're kind of getting like that Hunchback, which was before, and then we're getting the the two uh, Phantom of the Operas. But still, they're the Universal touched them in some way, shape, or form at some point, and so that's why you're going to kind of get this. But um moving on to number seven because we got a lot of movies to go through um my number seven, and please do not I know I'm gonna get some heat on this one because it is a more notable movie of the universal um monster uh film franchise. Number seven for me is Creature from the Black Lagoon. You
0: know what? I agree.
1: And the and the reason for that is because the um don't get me wrong. There were some great first times in cinematography that you see in this movie. Lots of under actual underwater scenes that were done with uh, specialty, you know, film yeah. film equipment. Um, the prosthetics for the for the creature, the suit were was hit and miss.
0: The suit was the, actually some. Phenomenal. You know, it was phenomenal for what yeah, they did. It was
1: it was hit and miss. It, yeah, I I would have to say it was hit or miss. In some shots, it was phenomenal. Especially in my opinion. When they actually were able to make the gills breathe for that time and frame on camera was awesome, but then there were times when just the cinematography and how they did the prosthetics and how they shot it, it looked bad. Well, it It, it just looked so fake. The close up, Um,
0: the close up hero props, mm -hmm. the hero suit looked really good when they were up close with the gills and with the eyes and stuff like that. But yeah, right. some of the distance underwater shots where you can actually tell it's a helmet, and you can yeah. you, you can almost see the hose that's going up to the boat above. Yeah, uh, and, so. and
1: so for me, the the reason why. Oh, sorry.
0: No, no, go, go, go.
1: No, no sorry. It, um, I, I know we're using different uh, microphones between the two of each other, so sometimes you kind of squelch on me, and then I hear you all of a sudden. Ooh, so, sorry. so no, no, you're fine. It, it's just like it. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, but. The reason why I, I put it at number seven is, you know, the suit is hit or miss, which isn't isn't too bad. But um, the writing in this and the storytelling was just kind of blah. And so at some points when I watched this movie, I kind of in my brain just seeing so many, you know, late 1950s, 1960s uh, bad movies. At some point I kind of look at it and I go I kind of feel like this could be a B-rated movie at times.
0: Yeah, it's it comes across as of of the prime movies in this monster genre. It is the closest mm-hmm. to a B movie without going into like the Blob or it came from outer space or mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, right. the Blob, the and, thing, even King Kong.
1: Yeah. And and also to to note, um, the last two movies, The Phantom of the Opera and Um, the creature from the Black Lagoon that I'm talking about. They were also one of the the two movies that didn't do any crossovers or have certain sequels, uh, give or take which movie. uh, Moving forward, just because of their reception in the box office. So now, what was your number seven, KJ?
0: I I agreed with you. I said uh, mine was also. Oh, okay. So we're both seven.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, So should we move on to six? Let's go. Okay. So number six for me. I still love watching this movie i will still watch anytime i can find it uh you know playing um i am not well wow words are english is bad i'm not gonna go out of my way to try and find this movie and watch it let's put it that way but if it's on i will watch it um and it's also one of those movies where they did a pretty good job of revamping it in today's time when i say today's time i mean like the 2000s early 2000s late 90s but more so recently, even worse, uh, and that is actually the mummy. Yeah, I've I've got it at six, and the only reason why I would say that, and I mean, you know, Boris Karloff did a phenomenal job as the mummy in this one. You know, he's wrapped up a good bit in here, um, but it, it's just so hard to, you know, really kind of, you know, go into it. some things, some takeaways that I really loved about this movie. Though, it is by far one of the most darkest of all of the movies in the universal cinema. I mean, it is dark. Oh yeah. It's very, dark. um, and, and it's really, it, it can be very frightening yeah. too, at times the way that it's done it, just, but I mean, there's so many great movies ahead of it that when I had to rank it, I was kind of fighting yeah. between six, five and four. And, It just fell at six for me.
0: So So for me, it's I'm actually going with and it's one that we've we have mentioned and you very specifically mentioned that we were going to add. It's the only one that's actually a sequel movie. And that is Bride of Frankenstein.
1: Okay, that's interesting. Mine's we'll we'll see where mine where mine stacks up. But uh, yeah. So why did you put Bride of Frankenstein so low?
0: I thought it was actually a very poor story. Mm hmm. Um, I like the acting. I like the actress. I like everything they did in it as far as what the, where that went. But I just found that the story is lacking. Um, unlike really, the, okay. well, unlike if you think about the, the Frankenstein monster, right. Composed from all of these brutes built together bigger than life because of, you know, allowing for the space for everything to flow and to, you know, regenerate the, the pathways. Whereas if you look at Bride of Frankenstein, effectively, he, the way it comes across, and I'm going to say it, it's the way it comes across. It's not necessarily the way it was intended. Is let's mm-hmm. kidnap this woman and basically frighten her to death and then reanimate her. Right. Because it's not a matter of this woman is created from scratch, from compo- components of multiple bodies. It's more a matter of. We got one. Let's reanimate her.
1: Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll touch back on why I think my, that, that movie is at a different spot later on, but I, I can see where you're coming from and I have a way to counteract that, sure, no but problems. I don't want to give away. No,
0: no worries at all. We're, like, that's what this is all about yeah. is us for. Yeah, I know. This own. is great. Okay. I, I lo- Let, let's, let's, let's move on to the next one. Cause otherwise we're going to run out of time. We're already and, 20 minutes in, dude.
1: I, hey, man. Hey, hey, hey. We're, we're, we're halfway there almost. Almost. <laughs> um, okay. So for me, my number five um, groundbreaking tech for the time on how it was filmed. Um, the writing doesn't hold up in, in my book, but the actor and how they acted while doing this still just edged it a little bit higher than um, the mummy. And that's going to be the Invisible Man. Um
0: Ooh. See now, yeah. Invisible Man was not one that I'd even was even thinking about. But now you say that, darn really? it. Really? Now I got to readjust my my whole list.
1: <laughs> You're like, "Yeah, I got to Oh, I got to plug this in now." Well, no, because yeah, yeah.
0: Invisible Man I would actually put below Bride of Frankenstein. So now, okay, so now Invisible Man goes down one and Bride of Frankenstein comes up to number 5.
1: See now you're getting closer to where I'm at now. So, but no, the Invisible Man was
0: a great movie.
1: Um, You know, the
0: concept was good. I think that the execution of it was not as as well done as it could have been. But it it was just at the time for cutting edge visual effects at the time it wasn't bad.
1: Right. You know, every 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 now and then in film cinema history we get a a groundbreaking technology that is just, you know, every director has to get their hands on it and play with it. And some of them are the first, so they're pioneers, so they gotta put it in their movies. Um, you know, at one point, you know, we went into 3D and then 3D was a big craze and then we went from, from film to digital, you know, and and so in this case, this movie in my mind was it was groundbreaking technology that they were kind of using where they were doing the fade out and stuff like that, where they were taking Old tech in in, in filmmaking and then they were splicing it and doing different things to get a different effect and i felt like they were playing more with the tech as a director than um trying to portray the story and that's where it kind of fell the actor it's the actor himself which um i believe the invisible man um oh my god that wasn't uh was that john carradine that wasn't john carradine was it who played the invisible man
0: let me take a real quick look because we—that's why we have the interwebs.
1: Yeah, I—I I, I thought it was no. I don't think maybe it wasn't John Carradine. Um Oh, this is gonna bug me.
0: The original Invisible Man, uh, ba, 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 published by Random House in 1952. No, I'm looking for the movie. Invisible Man on. Okay, we're going to Wikipedia.
1: Yeah, we need IMDB. Uh, ba,
0: ba, 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 ba. Movies, 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 movies. Where's my movies? Really? Plot summary. According to this, it actually was uh, Oh, interesting. That's interesting. 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 Okay, anyway. Um so the original It was Claude no, Rains. It was Claude was Rains. It Claude Rains? okay. Cause the original Yeah. So the original was it's actually a Visible Man Science Fiction novel by H. G. Wells.
1: Right. Yeah. So, so the actor was Claude Rains. I get Claude Rains and, um, oh no, that is right. Yeah. Claude Rains did the invisible man. And then later on he reprised his, um, his acting jobs as Phantom of the Opera later on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, so the, I've got number five invisible man. What do you got? Go.
0: So I'm actually going to switch. So my number six, which was, the uh, Bride of Frankenstein is now being replaced by Invisible Man, and now I'm moving Bride of Frankenstein to number five. Okay.
1: Okay. So Invisible Man, why, you know... Why would I put in- Invisible
0: Man where I did? And I think it's... There is an expectation, you know, for those... you know Those of us born in the latter days of the 20th century... Um, I think, yeah, old man. I heard you down the <laughs> yeah, hallway there.
1: I heard that in the background. I love it. I love it. Whoever that was. That, that was it.
0: that was infant number
1: one. Ah, numero uno.
0: Yeah, offspring one. We can hi, refer hi, to
1: her. Hi, high five her for me, please. Uh, th- uh, that's <laughs> a high
0: five, apparently, for calling me old. Big <laughs> gr- big grin on the face. Anyway, now, um, you know, uh, the hard thing about Invisible Man was that you know in the early 70s there was a resurgence of branding and merchandising for the universal monsters there were yeah. model kits there were figures you know like Boys. You, you could you could have your own dracula mummy frankenstein wolfman figures kind of hard to have the invisible man <laughs>
1: yeah yeah you, what do you do just just put the clothing in although, the
0: although although it, it would be the most <laughs> Awesome figure box. I can't yeah, find it. Empty. Well, it's invisible.
1: <laughs> it's invisible. Exactly. Oh my god! Oh, I mean, it's the same thing as like a pet rock. Like, really, you bought a rock?
0: You know what? I'm actually tempted now to try and create a box that's the Invisible Man and actually try and sell it at a, a yard sale and see what happens.
1: Um, it's an original. It.
0: It's an original Universal Pictures you know figure. Anyway. Oh my <laughs> god! No, Billy, yeah, um, totally do it. But really the, the thing, and I'm not really basing it on the fact, but I had. I had the Frankenstein and the Dracula model kits growing up as a kid, and oh, that's cool. Yeah, but the the, the thing was that you just you, the Invisible Man just like eh. he's yeah. invisible. What am I yeah. going to do? I I enjoyed more the Invisible Man appearing in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen than I did as an original motion picture for Universal back in like the 30s. So.
1: Yeah. I- it's it's an interesting character, and you know I can see where the character um, I want to use my terminology here correctly because I don't want people to think things I can see where some people really love the character for his special ability, depending on their characteristics as a person in real life yeah um and i'm I'm not trying. Go In a a bad way, I'm just saying, you know, like a a loner or something like that might want to be like, oh, well, cool. That'd be nice. You know, don't got to deal with people anymore. It'd be great. Um, But, yeah, so that's where we're at. I think we're on number fours now, right? Is that correct? We're down to
0: number fours.
1: Okay, so number four. um, This movie, when I first watched it, the sets scared the bejesus out of me. Um, It really set the tone in certain times of the movie where I just was, I was scared. So I guess in, in these movies and, and for me, the the way I'm ranking things, uh, I kind of flip back, flip back and forth between, did it scare me as a kid when I first watched it? Uh, then I'm kind of tying that into, all right, now I'm older and I've rewatched it. What do I think about the movie and, you know, the acting and, and sets and, you know, prosthetics and stuff like that they're doing and makeup. Um, this one, I, I gave it a little more uh, more weight because of how it made me feel when I watched it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, now going back and looking at the prosthetics, there are some really bad prosthetics in this, but overall the story, the acting and the sets put it at number four for me. Number four for me would be the Wolfman.
0: Yep. I am in complete agreement. I actually was just, as you're saying that I'm like, it's Wolfman. The Wolfman, yeah. it, the sets were phenomenal. It it was a creepy film. Yep. But the overall prosthetic, the wolf head, just, yeah. when you look at American Werewolf in London and you look at some of the other werewolf movies that came out, you know, in the, in, I'll admit in the seventies and eighties, um, Yeah, just no comparison of the advancements in prosthetics and in uh, digital effects and and practical effects. Yeah, it was so, so different. But it's it. it, I, I just yeah, it's number four for me.
1: When when I think of the Wolfman, the thing that immediately just throws me into this movie is out in the woods, the smoky fog, black and white. And the trees just looking like they're dripping of goo almost like, yeah, like you don't want to be out there, you know? And and that's the feeling that I got from it. And so that scared me more than anything else like that, that something was right around the corner. That's going to get you, even though, you know, the wolf man is there and he kind of looks absolutely ridiculous, but yeah, um, acting was really well, uh, or really good. And then, then um, the story was, was decent. Um, and then you know everything else kind of comes in between yeah, with that the yeah. so number 4 wolfman
0: yeah
1: uh all right number 3 for me Boris Karloff the amazing actor that he is number 3 is going to be Frankenstein for me um this was one of the greatest um horror cinema films of 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 its time uh no doubt about that Frankenstein really pushed the envelope of making the the scenes gruesome. I mean, there's there's a body on a windmill, actual like like the actual yeah, like yeah. Uh, whatever that is like, and then there's burning and all that kind of stuff. This is a very dark movie. Um, the mummy, in my mind, though, was darker and more gruesome, but Frankenstein was pretty gruesome. Yeah. It made it very clear that you know he was hated. No one wanted to have anything to do with him. He was horrible. This person should not be alive. It shouldn't be uh, in in society. And at the same time, Boris Karloff did a phenomenal job of betraying this monster who is coming into his his own consciousness and trying to realize nobody wants me, nobody likes me. I'm a monster. But at the same time, I am who I am. And and it's he does such a great job of betraying. Yeah. This yeah. being that's hurt and needs to, you know, self-realize who he is and what he's going to do with his his life yep. or his second life. Um, and that's why it's number three for me. It was great. Um, it was heartfelt. It, it, it had fear. It had gruesome scenes. It had everything that I want to watch in a horror movie. I loved it. So yep. number three for me, Frankenstein. Yeah,
0: my number three is The Mummy.
1: The Mummy. Okay, really high up there. Okay.
0: Yep. yep. Well, my my one, two, and three should not surprise anyone really, because um, Mummy is number three uh, for the obvious reasons that it, it's Boris Karloff. It's a phenomenally mm-hmm. scary film. Um, yeah, and I and I even I will even say that the the mid was it mid nineties um, Brendan Fraser and uh, The Rock. Yeah, the the Mummy that was redone reminded me a lot of just a color version of that film. There was so much of it that the the way that it came across the mummy, the creature, um, it, it brought me back to my childhood of watching the mummy. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all about that one. Uh, my number two is going to be Frankenstein as opposed to your number three. Gotcha. So I and go so Boris, my- Boris back to back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I'm going to go Boris, Boris back to back as well. My number two—it's ranked very high, and the reason why it's ranked very high is because I guess I have a heartfelt, you know, feeling for the mummy—or not the mummy, uh, Frankenstein. Uh, my number two is actually Bride of Frankenstein, and yes, people are going, "Oh my gosh, you're ranking a sequel higher than a, you know, the original." And I'm gonna say yes because in my mind, I know that you ranked uh, the, you know, uh, Bride of Frankenstein much a little bit lower yeah, yeah, than yeah, I yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I'm ranking it uh, at number two is because. You get to see everything that Boris Karloff did in Frankenstein, and then you get to add to the fact that he's trying to he's trying to move on, he's trying to find a life for himself, and you know he's trying to come into I'm a, I'm a person, you know, and everyone sees me as this monster, so he's finding love, and then he's you know he's actually you've got the bride of Frankenstein, which is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. She. Uh, I think her name was uh, Evelyn Anchors. I think I think was her name.
0: Yeah, I believe that's right. I mean,
1: she she has got the best makeup and hair. I mean, just so well. Her eyes. Oh my gosh, man! Her eyes could just well, and that, rip you apart. And
0: that cat hiss. Yes. Right. It's, oh. Just that whole thing. Anyway, but uh, yeah. Anyway, no, but uh, so I can see that you know, and fr- like for me, it's Boris as Frankenstein is my number two. Um, but I think that I
1: got a feeling our number one is the
0: same. Well, um, there's only one left that we haven't touched.
1: I know. And I think, I feel like you and I both have hit the nail on the head with number one. So should we say it at the same time on, on one, three, two, one, Dracula. Dracula? <laughs> yeah.
0: And Dracula, man, Bella, Bella Lugosi. Yeah. Um, a Romanian immigrant to the Americas who didn't speak great English. Who oh, good evening. Um, just embodies (laughs) that creepiness, but yet that um, there's the, the, it's not a suave thing. It's more just a matter of um, there's just a presence. Yeah. It's, it's purely just a presence in the space. And I think that's the thing. Um, Dracula was probably the first universal horror picture I ever saw. Um, I remember seeing it on a Sunday afternoon matinee at, um, not in a theater, it was on TV, but it was like, that was, that was the coolest thing ever was, you know, in the middle of the day on a Sunday watching Dracula and it was Bela Lugosi. And I I mean, I had no idea who Bela Lugosi was when I was like five years old or six years old, but you know, Mm -hmm. but it really, it, it spurned a love for classic film for me the way it shot there's there's something about the way that shot the the way that they did the atmospheric pieces okay yes it's cheesy when there's a smoke bomb and all of a sudden there's a plastic bat
1: oh oh oh, dude 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 i i've i've got a whole sticked on that that i want to get into as well so but, yeah, I mean, just exactly what you're saying. Please continue. I just want to touch on what you're we talking about now in a minute.
0: Yeah, but I think the other thing that goes along with it is when we look at these series, look at these original movies, and then you look at what's come since. There's been one good Phantom of the Opera movie come out since. And that's the Gerard Butler one. There's been yeah. one good Frankenstein that's come out since, even though there's been, like, three different versions of trying to come up with Frankenstein. There's been six or seven wolfman movies there's been three remakes of the mummy including that really bad one. That well anyway we're going to talk about that
1: well yeah we're we're going to get to that in a minute
0: notice i bypassed that i just buy yeah yeah, yeah yeah um, yeah yeah nobody has tried to remake creature of the black lagoon
1: it will we'll get to that let me let me i guess let although me jump i guess, back to Dracula I guess although then... i
0: guess swamp thing is probably pretty close to it um close ooh but um, Dracula, when you look at all the Dracula films that have been made from, um, you know, um, Count Dooku, which was, um, darn it, I've lost it. But Vincent Price and um, Christopher Lee and...
1: Um, I was about to say, Count Dooku, where did we come into Star Wars? Are you talking about Chris Lee? <laughs> Christopher,
0: yeah, Christopher <laughs> yeah. Lee and all the, the all of the great actors who have played dracula and and i will even include brad pitt and tom cruise in the you know in the remake of bram stoker's dracula with uh, gary oldman i mean there's been some phenomenal films that have been redone but dracula is the one that's the king of them all because it has the most remakes yeah. that have been told well the story holds yeah. up the story holds and i think that's key and Bella is just, you know, the Nosferatu original one from the, the 1890s was creepy, but Bella Lugosi just wins it.
1: Yeah. So for me, the reason why this movie just won over it number one, my top spot, overall pick, hands down, Universal King. Uh, again, Bella Lugosi, like you said, Bella freaking Lugosi. Um, he owned it. Here's something that really gets me, and this is I haven't been scared in a long time at, at a horror movie. In today's society, horror movies are trying to do that that startle or, you know, that sudden scare, you know, something that you didn't expect. Boom, yeah. all of a sudden yeah, that, the jump, scare. that boom,
0: pow, wow, whatever that is. You yeah, know, that's what they're trying yeah. to do to scare you because it's, it's referred to as the jump scare.
1: Yeah, they they because they can't find a good way to actually do good storytelling, cinematography or atmospheric, you know, everything that's going around there they they and they're also trying to do something new because they know that the audiences are kind of get they're they're built up. They know what might be coming because it's all kind of, you know, cookie cutter. This yeah. is going to happen, this is going to happen. But I mean the last but,
0: the last great scares are things like Dracula.
1: Yeah. So the
0: the mummy, and then even as late as Hitchcock and psycho.
1: Yeah. So, um, number one reason why Dracula wins is because the atmosphere you kind of mentioned earlier. Um, let me talk about this soundtrack on how epic this soundtrack was the epic. the, The soundtrack was so good and so enthralling and it really pulled you in to listen and watch this movie. It was so good that there was actually only one piece of music in the entire movie. Everything else was silence. There was no music. There was no background noise. I mean, there's a little bit of background noise, but there was just a little bit of Tchaikovsky in a ballroom scene in the background that was just there for ambient noise. But other than that, there was no music. Every other movie in this entire franchise, in MCU, or not MCU, this entire cinematic universe that we're talking about had music in the background. There was stuff going on. Dracula did not, because it was setting you up for the psychological thriller and fear, fear level of nothing's going on. You are on the edge of your seat because you're waiting for something to happen. And so when you're on edge for so long, you don't know when it's coming. But if you're listening to, if you're watching a movie and you hear music and then it just stops and it goes silent in today's society, you know, something's about to happen. But this movie was silent with no music for a good portion of the entire movie. And you just, you got used to it. You didn't know what was around the corner. Um, that that was so scary for me because I, di- I didn't know how to respond or when to respond. Um, and then, of course, you know, the movie just wasn't a boom, pow, wow type thing is what I want to call it. Where, you know, it was like, all right, got to scare you, got to scare you. And Bella Lugosi did such a good job of doing that psychological fear on you by the eyes, the stare, you know. You know, he wasn't all blood and guts and stuff like that, you know, and his brides in the movie were scary as crap, man. They were so scary. Yeah. But that was me back in the day.
0: But now the other Uh, thing is, understand, I was just reading a production note on it. Bella Lugosi played this part on Broadway. Yeah, he did. So he played it on stage. So he knew how to bring out that performance in a way that's going to impact the audience without special effects, without camera angles, with just his presence. And I think that's yeah. key. You, know, you needed that kind of presence. You need that, and that's really the difference between stage acting and movie performances. And it's something I think that most of the movie performers have lost today. The UK performers are far better at this because they do a lot more stage acting.
1: I would agree. And and even, uh, I would even say even, um, South American and Canadian actors and actresses, they're very good because, you know, they, they still do that as well. A lot of stage acting up there. Um, and, and I will say though that, you know, I know we're getting a little bit off topic with, um, with the, the monsters, but we are talking about actors and actresses here. Um, if you do look at people who are in stage acting in the United States, you know, in Broadway, um, some who are even, you know, further out there doing tours around the country. Um, a lot of them stay to stage because yeah. film wants something different. And they're not pulling, uh, you know, stage actors. But, I mean, sometimes you get the, the crazy crossover because they just have everything that a, a filmmaker wants. But you don't, you're not getting a Tom Cruise type person from a Broadway hit, you know. Um There's literally a handful of people that I can think off the top of my head that have been successful on stage first and then went and became uh, famous on film and they still do stage work, you know, back to back to back. Uh, Most of those people, they're getting close to retirement and probably not going to do anything in the future. Um, That's that's just where it's at now. So I agree with you. It's kind of fallen off. Uh, But wow, man, we just did eight movies on one show.
0: Yeah, we did, but let's do that, this. Let's, that was a lot. Just, just for the heck of it, based you know our, our we're let's take our number one, which was Dracula. What yep. numbers would you give it based on today's you know in comparison and what we do when we normally do these numbers? What would you yep. give it as its overall numbers?
1: Uh, so I'm I'm trying not to put my emotions into it. So if I take my emotions away, it gets a seven and a half out of 10.
0: Yeah. I'm at about holding up today. I'm, I'm around an eight, eight, one somewhere in that range, right? Tight on the eight number.
1: If I were to put emotions into it, it would be a solid nine and a half. Nine,
0: but that's where I'm at. And I'm 9.2. So it it gets another full point, you know, a full number for me uh, when you put the emotional into it. But, um, but let's yep. let's now talk about uh, something that's been going on for the last couple of years that kind of was tried to reboot, didn't work so well, but now we're hearing that there's still more coming because uh, Universal wants it. And that is a reboot of the Universal Monster series. Yeah.
1: Um, I- I'm just trying to pull some stuff up real quick to no see worries. what's going on. Um, so, so, you know the mummy the new mummy that Ugh. we saw with 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 we got to get it out the way man we got to rip that bandaid off because it's really going to tee up with what we go god um, hurts you know you know um it was supposed to be that tom cruise was going to usher in the mummy the mummy was going to be the let's let's put the golf ball on the tee let's tee it up let's hit it and this is going to be the launch pad of the new universal uh, monster remake franchise And unfortunately, there are so many different arguments we can go on on why the movie failed. But at the end of the day, and a lot of people are either going to love or hate us for what we're about to say, Tom Cruise ruined it.
0: Oh yeah, big time.
1: Now, now whether it's because he wanted his hand in making the movie, or he wanted more money, he wanted to take more money from other actors and actresses or writers or directors, whatever it may be, whatever, because... We only can go off of what gets reported. We're not actually on set when things are, filmed, you know, cast or while it's being directed. We really don't know. But at the end of the day, we do know what went into movie theaters and it was a piece of crap. That's what we know. Um, and unfortunately at the box office, it failed. And because of that movie's horrific failure with the amount of money they put into it, um... It put a huge dent into what universal was planning to do with their monster movie reboot. Uh, And it went on hold for a bit. And now they're like you said, there are some things where they're talking about, you know, uh, bringing it back up. But here's the thing. Um, If you look at these, the original slated actors that were going to play certain roles, you had um, Johnny Depp as slated to be a character, big, big name movie guy huge huge price tag to, to get him into a movie or recurring franchise uh, and then you have Russell Crowe also yep. going to be a recurring character throughout the entire franchise on multiple movies because they were going to cross over these characters and uh, and, and then many others that uh, I can't even begin to, to mention but um, the problem that we kind of run into here uh, KJ is the fact that here we are you have one movie, the first movie, and it was a big flop. Yeah. Now, what do you do? Do you just kind of take it as a loss and you say, "All right, well, we're going to redo it and just pretend like that movie never happened?" Which is pretty good. It's not it's not like they've they've made four movies at this point, you know. Yeah. Um they well, just made the one.
0: So, I think the key here is that they're indicating the Invisible Man was supposed to be number 2. Um the dark universe effectively universal is saying is dead. They're not going to do the, the whole thing as if it's the dark universe, like a, a franchise level, it's just going to be individual films. Do they continue to do invisible man? I don't know. Um, I think that there's been enough between Van Helsing, um, the 2014 Dracula film, um, there's been an awful lot of that. I think that they would be better off to go with one of the franchises that they have not touched in a while, one of the properties and that would either be Frankenstein or the Wolfman.
1: Yeah. I mean, or they honestly, you know, if you think about it though, like if if they did, I don't know how I actually, I'm thinking it and I'm about to say it, it's going to come out of my mouth and I don't know how to, how I, what I think about it, but if they did a Johnny Depp Dracula movie, how how would that go? We did
0: He's we did that. Up. We did that. It was called Dark Shadows. No,
1: I, I know, but that's not Dracula. But yeah, I know I know where you're going. I know where you're going with that. But
0: <sighs> No, I think um I think that we've had too many Dracula films. Um you know, the Van Helsing one um we like I said the uh, the one in 2014. Um, we've just had too much Dracula. And I think we need a break from a a Dracula film. I think that uh, they need to touch on a franchise, which we haven't seen in a while. And I think really the Wolfman is a good one. Um, The mummy is too recent. It's going to be, there's too much burn there from what happened with Cruz. You know, when you try and make the mummy into a mission impossible film, that's a problem. Um, You know, I mean, I mean, there's that, but I mean,
1: you say maybe move on to the Wolfman. I I would say actually no, it's still too it's still too recent too. We had the Benicio del Toro and uh, oh my god, what's his name? Um, oh my god, it's gonna it's gonna bug but, me.
0: But I was gonna say, Underworld, the Underworld movies have actually done a good thing for werewolves.
1: They were really good. Yeah. Yeah. Not,
0: not like not like that Twilight thing. You know. Twilight was bad for vampires and for werewolves. Oh, wow. I got you quiet now. What the heck? No,
1: I, no I'm trying to uh, figure out what the name of the other actor is in that Benicio Del Toro wolf movie, that werewolf movie. Um, and I, I can't think of his name for the life of me, and it's really bugging me. Was he it Benicio? Or was it Benicio? No. Oh, um, no, I'm thinking
0: oh, of the other... oh, 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 oh. Odin, yeah, that's. Um, oh darn it all! I just had it in my head and now I lost it. Um, you know, Clarice, um, Silence of the Lambs, uh, Anthony Hopkins. My God, yeah, Sir Tony, Sir Tony Hopkins.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, and and this movie was made relatively recent. It was in two. It was in twenty ten. So it's not that far old, oh, it's not almost that 10 far years off. old.
0: It's almost 10 years old at this point. We've had much more recent vampire and uh even uh Frankenstein movies.
1: True, true. So is, is there something else that they could go to? I mean
0: Well, and it's funny when we start talking about Frankenstein movies because then you have I Frankenstein that was done not too long ago. Uh, and then we Horrible. had we had that bad uh, TV series that was out of the UK that was on Netflix, and that was the Frankenstein Chronicles, where Sean Bean dies again.
1: Huh.
0: It's Sean Bean he has again. to die. Yeah, you know nothing, Jon Snow. Anyway, um...
1: you know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> no, um... I mean it, it's just weird. So yeah, I mean there's the Invisible Man, but is the Invisible Man strong enough to? Well, launch.
0: And, and, and the problem with Invisible Man is they ma- they make it less about a horror film and more into a comedy. Um, we've seen it, yeah, two or three different times as a comedy. I mean, even Dark Man, which effectively is an Invisible Man movie, is pretty dark.
1: Ha 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 ha! ha dark Man. Ha. No, actually, Dark Man scared me when I was really young. Oh yeah, uh, it really did. Well, it really and, did. and
0: then when you realize that it's Liam Neeson you know
1: yeah holy holy crap it is
0: because I, I
1: actually remember when i when i watched that i i just all right this this is how
0: remember I we have covered ed- that here on warp my tardis podcast so you can find that if you go back into our archives you will find our episode where we talked about sam remy's dark man uh, including one of the first appearances of cousin brucey e. campbell
1: he was in that movie
0: he's the scene at the end where it's the new face he's the one walking down the street
1: Oh, that's right.
0: Anyway.
1: Oh, mind blown again. But yeah, so I I don't know where to go with on how they should start this up. I really think that they should just take the the stick of TNT and throw it into the vault, blow it up, obviously keep the classics in in their own vault, and just say, pay no attention to what came out in the past nine years. Everything is new. I really think that's the only way to do it.
0: Well, and, but this also goes back to an interesting point. Uh, and it's, it, this is very sidebar compared to what we're doing. So uh, last week was the um, Austin Film Festival. And as part of that was also um, the uh, American Screenwriting Guild got together, or the Writers Guild of America. And um, they did, there's a podcast I listen to called Script Notes. It's, it's two very talented writers that work in television and movie industry. And they were talking about... So these, these are all uh, showrunners and writers that are working in television now that started in motion pictures. And they have all said that they refuse to go back to motion pictures at this point because they can't tell their story in the way they want to. And motion pictures are all in this franchise mode where it's like, we want three movies that are this known character and known IP. Um. And you're yeah. writing eighty seven minutes to one hundred and twenty minutes per per film versus writing ten hours of content that 's a continuous story that you can do for Netflix or for HBO or Showtime or any of the networks so there was it was a not, it was an interesting point to be said that um, the way that our viewing has changed and the way that writing has changed in the industry. It is much better for a writer to work in television today than it is to work in movies.
1: I, w- I would agree, and I know that was definitely a sidebar that we just went on, but I, I 100% agree with you right now. Uh, and, you know, we we just talked about the Universal movies, and they're, they're really the first original uh, cinematic universe that was kind of playing on it in, in crossovers and stuff like that that we saw. Uh, jumping to the MCU uh and and whatnot movies today you either get the the elevator pitch all right go make a movie and it's good or you are a independent very artsy type writer and director and you do your own picture and you just hope for the best and you make the movie the way you want to make it and just there are no aspirations that you're going to make a blockbuster make a lot of money Type movie, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Martin Scorsese currently right now is in the in the news with you know saying that we need less Marvel movies and we need more art movies. I both agree and disagree with that. I'm just like hey, hey I like movies for movies. Yeah, do both. That's yeah. just my response well, to that.
0: The, the The thing he's saying though is that it's the industry that's directing that. It's not the writers. Yeah. It's not the producers. Yeah. it's purely the executive producing companies. It's the Universals and the Sonys and the Fox. Well, not Fox. Now it's Disney. But uh, it's those right. companies that are basically saying, we want something that we can franchise. We want something that we can get toy rights to. Right. That we've got all this collateral material that we can do something with. And it's an established IP that's going to give us an audience that already knows it. Yep. We don't want something new and innovative. We don't want a new story. We don't want you telling us something we've never seen before. Give us what we know.
1: Exactly, and and my only thing on that is, you know, Martin Scorsese, you're main, you're an amazing director, cinematographer, and also producer slash writer. My only uh, gripe is, well, um, when you stop making eighty five million dollar movies, and you start giving your money to local people and doing more producing for artsy movies and stuff like that, then sure, absolutely,
0: yep. but
1: but, pot kettle black. That's what I'm saying right now yep. with that. Yep, exactly. That's so I'm saying. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, man, dude, we we just reviewed eight movies from uh, the Universal Vault of amazingness that it still it still holds up to the test of yeah. time. Go watch it. It's Halloween right now. Uh, maybe it's a couple days late when you listen to this after Halloween. Go watch these movies. You can actually go to uh, Amazon right now, and for sixty three U.S. dollars, you can go and own all the movies that we just talked about plus. Uh, a few of the, the sequels, um, you can get them on Blu-ray for sixty three bucks.
0: Just tell me there's no Abbott and Costello meet in there.
1: Nope, it's not included. Thank not god. Included.
0: Thank God. Because Abbott and Costello meet Dracula, meet Frankenstein, meet the mummy, meet Wolfman. Yeah. Horrible. But, horrible.
1: But 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 also to be honest though, like for six or three bucks if you're getting eight of the movies that we just talked about and then Abbott and Costello were to be thrown in there and like yeah. Okay. One, when's the last time you bought a movie that wasn't, you know, 20 or 30 bucks just for one movie and you're getting eight and on Blu-ray. I mean, obviously it wasn't filmed on Blu-ray in high quality, but all of that for 60 bucks is a steal. Go get it on Amazon right now. And no, it's, it's no plug for us. We're not making money off of it. It's just, yeah. it's on Amazon. But go get it.
0: speaking of plugs and we're going to go silent while we do this. You're listening to Warp My Tardis Podcast here on the Geek Culture Cast Network. You can reach out to us at warpmytardis at gmail.com or at warpmytardis on Twitter and at warpmytardis on Instagram. Find us on Facebook and also look for us as GCCN, the Geek Culture Cast Network, including our GCCN Discord server. And then don't forget our other shows on the network, Legends of the Panel Podcast at Legends Panel at Legends of the Panel, depending on which media you are on. And the Lady Archer has What the Frack with a Q, um, you know, where she flips off the bird to any number of different things around her universe. There.
1: And we we, we love it. Absolutely.
0: Oh, yeah. So anyway, there we go. There's a full episode. What the heck happened there that, you know, we thought was not going to be a long one. And we're at at 58 minutes. There. Yeah
1: man, yeah man. Well, I mean, I I just want to say I'm impressed with this because we just did like the super crunch of eight movies where both of us ranked movies and talked about them. And normally we talk about one movie and we we burn 45 minutes on it. So yeah. this was a great episode. I, I enjoyed doing it. I really wish we can do more of it.
0: Well, in two weeks, join us again here on Warp My Tardis Podcast, where we will be talking some of the pre-launch, because it's going to be closer, it's weeks away, to uh, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. As well, we will be talking about the mid-season replacements, which are in January, um, or not replacements, but launches, for uh, Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard. So we've got stuff to talk about. Shut up, Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. It's Captain Picard Day, didn't you know uh, that? Yeah,
1: I, I'm I'm really excited for um uh Picard. I I'm so excited for it. Uh, Discovery's actually, also great.
0: I'm really excited for what they're going to do now that uh, Discovery has jumped to the future. Um, it's a whole new universe. Oh,
1: timeline, yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's great. It could be good or it could be bad. They're going on their new thing, so. But listen. Man, I, I love me some Sir Patrick Stewart. I, I love him. I mean, I love it. I, I, I'm so excited. He's coming back. He's Picard. Oh when's the last time we saw Picard in his in his
0: well, pull down? Just just as, as as long as he doesn't look over at somebody and go, "Well, Logan."
1: <laughs> oh my god, he's not going to do that. But anyway. But hey, man, uh, this was this was such a fun show. We it was. we've got to do another topic like this again because we, I felt like this was a great show. It was. It was, awesome.
0: it was a really great show, and it, it flowed well, and we flowed well, and um, yeah. So it's been a great show, and now we're right up against the hour mark. In three, two, one. There we go. There's an hour. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us here on Warp My Tardis podcast. I'm KJ, the comic guy from the Toronto studios, and that's Mr. Chulock.
1: All the way from the Charlotte, and yes, I'm still here. The tornado hasn't got me yet studio.
0: (laughs) We will see you in two weeks, and join us next week for Legends of the Panel podcast here on the Geek Culture Cast Network. Bye, everyone. Adios.